Hello and welcome back to our podcast series, 10 Themes for Investing for Tomorrow. Each month I talk to an investment expert from Capital Group to discuss various challenges and opportunities for investing for tomorrow. Now today we're talking about pricing power and my guest is Richard Carlyle, Investment Director at Capital Group based in London. Hello to you, Richard. Hi, Lisa. Nice to be here. Thank you for having me. Oh, well, it's a pleasure to have you on the show. And we're going to talk about pricing power and just a, a brief definition. It's how a product's price is linked to its demand. It's linked to the price elasticity of demand. How much do consumers or producers want the product depending on the price change? I'll say that one more time. And just a, a little definition of pricing power. It is how a product's price is linked to its demand. It's linked to the price elasticity of demand. How much do consumers or producers want the product depending on the price change? So, Richard, why is pricing power so important? Well, so I first of all, I agree with your definition. I like to think of things uh, in non-technical terms. So if we try and get rid of the phrase price elasticity, really what pricing power is, is a company that has pricing power is able to pass on higher costs without losing so much revenue that it squeezes its uh, margins. So in other words, a company with pricing power uh, is able to survive in an inflationary environment. And that is exactly why I think people are focusing on pricing power at the moment. As I'm, I fear I'm saying the obvious, if there is one theme in, uh, in, uh, in equity markets at the moment, it is concerns about rising inflation. So are there companies out there that can, uh, through their pricing power, pass on their higher costs to consumers without losing so much demand that their profits come under pressure? So I, I agree with your definition. Well, thank you also for saying why it's so important and for bringing up the word before I did, that word inflation. <laughs> um, you, you, you've raised it right off the bat. How will that change over the next few years, do you think? I mean, of course, we all want to know, but how do you think? I mean, it's changing all the time, <laughs> but I'm, I'm passing on that question to you. How is it going to change? Well, talking about the future is always more trickier than talking about the past. But, you know, our sense is that, you know, you take the combina, you have many things going on. You've obviously got uh, Russia, Ukraine, which has raised energy prices significantly. Uh, you have in many markets, tight labor markets. So in the US and where I'm in the UK, for example, you know, unemployment is at low levels. Uh, whilst central banks have been raising interest rates aggressively to combat inflation, we all know that interest rate Rises take a time to have their effect. People have fixed rate borrowings they need to roll off, etc. Uh, it takes a while to impact on consumer expenditure. So, you know, our sense is that for the next 12, 18 months, inflation is going to be around. And until investors have a view of what is the peak of inflation, you know, high, how high interest rates need to go to control inflation, it may well remain the sort of central theme for both equity and bond investors around the world. So that's why it is sort of front and center of people's uh, attention at the moment. Yes, yeah, slightly depressing times, unfortunately. But let's move to analysis. Uh, so an analytical perspective. How easy is it to identify companies with pricing power or without pricing power? And how do you do that? Well, so first of all, I think the, the, it's worth saying that inflation in itself isn't necessarily bad for equity investors. If you look at history, provided sort of core medium term inflation remains below 6%, then history shows you that equity markets actually given pretty good returns at it's above not 6 
Sorry. Yeah, that's the problem. Above 6%, that is the issue. <laughs> yeah, but above 6% returns have still been positive. They've not been negative. Uh, and, you know, we're talking core inflation. Inflation at the moment is impacted by the one-off spike in energy prices. That will fall out of the numbers when we are 12 months on from the uh, from the Russian invasion of Ukraine. So, you know, even, even some countries haven't got above 6% inflation yet. So that's the first thing to say. Now, to try and answer your question, from an analytical perspective, how easy is it to identify companies? Companies with pricing power. Well, it's it's not the sort of thing that you can run a quantitative screen on for a start. It's not the sort of thing that you can say, you know, if a company has a profit margin above X percent, then it clearly has pricing power. I think to do it properly, you really need to understand uh, both the companies you're thinking of investing in and particularly the industry they operate in. You know, history can be a guide. You know, we're lucky at Capital in having investors who've been around in previous inflationary episodes. Uh, but for many companies, you pick Alphabet, for example, Alphabet hasn't really existed in times of inflation. So for that, for that company, you need to resort to, um, uh, to, to you know, fundamental analysis. So uh, I think it can be identified, but it does require deep understanding and analysis of, uh, of the industries around the world. Mm -hmm. And so I'd like you to list out factors you would look for to identify companies with good pricing power. Well, so some of the obvious ones would be significant market share. So, you know, if you are a company that happens to have 70% market share, 75% market share, that is a pretty good sign that you can raise prices. Uh, I think an ability to squeeze your suppliers. So if you are a significant uh, part of your supplier's uh, revenue, that uh, helps you. You also have an advantage if there is no alternative supplier to your product. And I think other factors come into it. I mean, if you make a small part of the total end products. So if you are a chip manufacturer selling uh, chips to car makers, you are a small part of their total costs. You should be able to raise prices uh, uh, if you get uh, cost pressures without uh, a drop-off in demand. I think you could also say that luxury goods companies are in some ways the master of pricing power, convincing us that we need the latest and uh, most fashionable luxury goods. So in a way, they have driven pricing power throughout history and their, their margins show that. And then there are also industries where, you know, just just the, the dynamics of the industry mean that companies have pricing power. I, I in, in previous episodes in the UK, house building companies would buy land. They would take three or four years to get planning permission. They would build a house on it. So most of their profits actually came from the growth in the value of the land rather than the, from the building of houses. So that's another factor that you need to look for when, uh, when thinking about companies that have got pricing power. Just that point on the luxury goods, uh, how do they fare in times of recession? Well, that, that's a very good question. So, um, you know, I think at the moment, when we look at luxury goods companies, we would say that, you know, many of their customers are in the lucky position of not having a mortgage or not having significant borrowing. So you could say that they, uh, they're they pretty well positioned, but then luxury in recent years has filtered down and, um, and luxury is now a broader context. So I think it varies. I don't think you could generalize. I think different luxury goods industries will show different levels of resilience, but we find ourselves pretty optimistic about uh, luxury goods companies. There is a good long-term, you know, demographics help them uh, and, you know, emerging markets, uh, the growth of the middle classes in emerging markets help them, as does the return to travel. Many luxury goods are bought as we travel. And obviously, as we, we emerge from COVID, travel is uh, recovering quite quickly. So as long as that doesn't go into reverse, we find ourselves pretty optimistic about those companies. And just alongside that, can you give us some examples of good pricing power in other companies? 
Well, I, I think sort of examples that occur to us is that, you know, Microsoft raised the price of Microsoft Office. It depended on which particular license you bought. But back in uh, March of this year, the price rise was something about anything from 8 to sort of 30%. You know, that was the first rise in around 10 years. They used the examples of bundling Microsoft Teams as part of the justification for that. But I think that looks like a company with very good pricing power. Many corporates um, are, are, you know, avid users of Microsoft products. It's very difficult and expensive for them to change. So they're not going to switch away because of a, of a price rise. At the other end of the spectrum, you know, McDonald's, I'm, I'm in the UK and the McDonald's, the, the, the burger chain, you know, put in a pretty impressive increase in the price of a cheeseburger from uh, 99 pence to £1.19 in July of this year. First rise in 14 years. Again, probably no impact on, on demand. They don't break out sales of, um, of, of to that level of granularity, but as I said, it has no impact. And then, and again, at the other end of the spectrum, Tesla uh, has put through significant price rises. I mean, a base Model 3 in March 2001 was around $38,500. It was 22% higher at nearly $47,000 in March of this year. You know, we know Tesla has long waiting lists, but that again looks like a company with very good pricing power to us. Mm, it's doing super well and uh, interesting to keep an eye on that. So with these examples, can you talk to us about that word that I mentioned right at the top, the elasticity of this demand? Yes, I think I think you, we need to measure that long term. So, you know, so it's not something that, you know, you get a price rise and next week, you know, the elasticity, you know, price rises can have a while to have their uh, impact on demand. But it is a simple mathematical equation. You know, do you end up with higher revenue after you have raised your prices or not? If you end up with lower revenue, you've got negative elasticity. If you end up with higher revenue, you've got positive elasticity. So it's a it's pretty straightforward. Um, uh, you know, the examples I've just given tend Tesla, McDonald's and Microsoft are going to end up, we think, with higher revenue. So the elasticity there is working uh, in their favour. So uh. Now, uh, you also mentioned the word inflation. Not many current investors have had the chance to invest through such a period of inflation because we haven't seen such levels of inflation for a number of decades. Uh, some companies, though, have operated in countries with high inflation. So talk us through some historical episodes. Well, that's it's it's true. But, uh, so, so inflation in developed Western markets has not been an issue for many years. But if you are a Unilever or a Nestle, you know, you have worked in Venezuela, for example, which has had uh, periodic inflation. And I think those companies have a modest advantage in that, uh, you know, their experience of operating in high inflation countries teaches them lessons around, you know, what to do with their stocks, you know, what feedback it needs before they generate price increases, how to deal with suppliers, etc., how to have alternative suppliers if one supplier puts their price up. So I think there are companies that have experienced inflation around the world that are actually nicely positioned. I use Nestle and Unilever as an example, but, you know, um, you know, many multinationals have got, you know, activities in all parts. I mean, Netflix supplies um, uh, online streaming to almost, I think, every country in the world apart from three. So, you know, they will all have experience of coping with, um, with inflation, and that is a plus for multinationals nationals. I'm kind of curious as to what those three countries are now, but uh, we'll, we'll move on. <laughs> now, can a company move into a position of having pricing power if they weren't originally there? 
I think they can, but it takes a while. I think, you know, if you think of how long it takes to, you know, develop a brand or to develop a, or to grow market share. So it can be done, but it's not, it's not the sort of thing that uh, a, com- a company chief executive can wake up in June of this year and say, hey, inflation's coming around, let's increase our pricing power. It has to be a long-term strategy of increasing often brand awareness or increasing market share or you know manipulating your supplier base so that you can you can pass on those costs so it is it it can be done but it is often multi years of work not something that can be done overnight is our, is our sense mm-hmm. and just to wrap it up really then my final question to you how do you deal with what's happening right now the here and now versus the long term thinking so I think, you know, at Capital, we pride ourselves on long-term thinking. So it's not that, you know, in the last six months, we suddenly switched on the, the pricing power a, a button for our analysis. I think our analysts, you know, if we have a choice of companies, we've always preferred companies with pricing power because inflation or not, it just makes them more resilient. Uh, so uh, it's not it's not, a, it's not a short-term thing, but it is, it is ingrained in our analysts. And, uh, you know, again, we're lucky enough in having uh, analysts who have long coverage of their sector. So some will remember previous examples of inflation. We're lucky enough in having portfolio managers who may have been analysts through previous periods of inflation who can help out those analysts. So it is something where, you know, long perspective uh, is additive. And we have had sessions where, uh, you know, our most experienced uh, investors have talked about their experiences of investing through uh, inflationary environments. So uh, we're trying to learn from history. Well, thank you so much, Richard, and thank you for the work that you do. Thank you for your thoughts today. And to find out more, you can check out our podcasts on investments on the Paper Jam Delano Capital Group websites. Thank you so much for listening. This communication is of a general nature and not intended to provide investment advice or to be a solicitation to buy or sell any securities. Statements attributed to an individual represent the opinion of that individual and may not necessarily reflect the views of Capital Group or its affiliates.